So this is part two of a series about war and milchama and what it means in our Masara. And of course, that itself sounds like a bit of a conundrum or dilemma because we don't have a Masara of war less than 2,000 years old. And now we're finding ourselves going to war without a choice, being forced into a war. And when we look back to our Makaros, it's hard. And there's a lot of dissonance between the way we view um, our past tzaddikim and gedolim, and we draw from their piety and from their tehillim and from their talmatara. But because we haven't fought wars, it's harder for us when we read about them going to war. And just think about Davinamelch. If I say the word Davinamelch to most people, they think about the author of Sefer Tehillim. But he's also the warrior of Sefer Shmuel. And for 2,000 years, the warrior part of Davinamelch wasn't relevant, and now it is relevant, and how do we rebuild that Masara? <clears throat> and on top of that, on top of that, so much about the wars that we do read about in Tanakh, the wars of Eretz Yisrael, feel very abrasive because of the collective punishment, because of the at least seeming brutality and merciless nature in which we wage the war against the seven nations, not effectively giving them a chance they could leave, but they couldn't really stay in Israel and live with us peacefully. And so with Amalek, we have a mitzvah not just to evict them from the land, but to evict them from this earth. So there's so much haze when we try to look back because it's thousands of years removed, because the people that fought those wars have been distilled in our minds differently as, as images of piety and, and scholarship, not as images of warriors and battlefields, and because of so much dissonance. So I'm trying to help build, rebuild these views and these perspectives that haven't been relevant, sadly, for so long. And in the first year, I talked about Riff Cook and Riff Cook's um, series of small little articles, 10 articles in the Sefer called Arot, published in the 1920s, and the section called Milchama. Today, the second year, I want to talk about another short section of that series called Milchama, and hold it up alongside a very well-known letter that he sent to um, Professor Levine. Professor Levine, Minyamin Menashe Levine, well-known Talmud Chacham, studying the Hildesheimer Institute, was um, probably best well-known or best known for a sefer called Otzer HaGeonim, his life, his work, in which he collected statements, halachic statements, a big Talmud Chacham, statements of the Geonim from various svarim, and he collated them so that you can open up a Otsar HaGonim on, I'm learning now, Babakama, and just read line by line, or page by page, dot by dot, and see what the Gonim had to say about the Sugi, even though the original works didn't survive. So it's a very encyclopedic work, and those who have the Sefer, you'll actually see on the binding, it's written by Levine, Binyamin Menashe Levine, a very, very well-known Rav, academic, supporter of the State of Israel, close with Ifkuk, very close with Ifkuk, um, Dr. Binyamin Menashe Levine. So he sent, Rav Cook sent him a letter in which Dr. Levine expressed his own, Professor Levine expressed his own uneasiness with the concept of war, with the war with Amalek, with the brutality of war, and Rav Cook responded to him. So let's start from the beginning. I'm holding up these two sources. There's evil in this world. And evil holds back humanity from a better state of being, from a more utopian state where there's no hatred and no war and no violence. And that evil has to be defeated in order for humanity to advance. And we are the people that defeat evil, as I've spoken about several times, and I've quoted the Maharal, and I've quoted the fact that we're like the sand, that we serve as the 
fortress against the sea, against the, the void and the um, emptiness of the sea and the moral corruption of Tovavo that the sea represents. Now here's the issue. For the past 2,000 years, we continue that battle of good versus evil, of values versus immorality, of Tara versus Tum, of Kedusha versus Chulin. But that battlefield was essentially only ideological. We didn't, we didn't really battle. We didn't go to wars. So last time we actually went to wars, uh, in the middle of the end of the middle of the second base, Amikdash Chashmonayim, of course, the Bar Kochba rebellion, but there wasn't a, so that wasn't a terribly victorious triumph. Now, in the days of Tanakh, though, all these figures, the Meshoftim, the Melachim, they actually went to war, an actual battle. Those battles and those wars were not just military and political or geopolitical. Those wars were ideological because the cultures against which they waged their wars were corrupt and immoral, pure evil, whether it's evil of a complete breakdown of any religious conscience and behavior, as Chazal described the Kenanim of Odazara, Shvich Damim, and Gilar Rayos, or Amalek, we don't necessarily see that same degraded behavior, but their hatred and their hatred of the Jews was unconditional. They hated us as individuals, and they hated us as a collective. These two impediments to humanity and to the progress of humanity had to be battled, not just ideologically by the forces of good and the forces of light, but had to be battled on the actual battlefield. So the battles in Tanakh were not just for land and not just for control, but they were primarily so that certain dangerous, dangerous cultures and ideas could be roundly defeated. And the same Sadiqim, the same David HaMelech, who wrote Sefer Tehillim, which is suffused with Kedusha and piety and humility and subservience, that same David HaMelech led the battle with full vigor and full force, not because, God forbid, he was bloodthirsty or he wanted to kill other armies, because he knew that Amalek and or the seven nations, right now without discriminating between them, had to be eliminated. And by eliminating them, you're advancing humanity. And any tarry or delay in eliminating them stalls the advance of humanity. And for if Cook writing, I guess, in around 1910, um, he didn't. He didn't yet see World War One. I. I think this letter is around 1910, if I'm not mistaken. Maybe off. I couldn't find the actual letter in the Sefer of Igros Saraya, so I'll just try to uh, excerpt it Balpe. And when these forces of evil aren't eliminated, humanity suffers much worse, much worse fate. So the virtuous and noble act is to conduct these battles as Yeshua did, as David Melech did, not as Shaul did, who applied moral standards and compassion to Amalek not realizing that his compassionate behavior to Amalek was brutal and merciless treatment of the rest of the world whose moral development was stalled by the hatred of, of Amalek. <clears throat> um, I think about this now that we are essentially fighting our first war, certainly our first war in 50 years, our first extended war. But what makes this so obvious and biblical and Tanakh-oriented is that this is, in this instance, the ideological battlefield is clear. There was always ideology behind Gentile hatred and Arab aggression to the Jewish people on their land. It was obvious. But now it's not just in the background, as if 
our enemies want to oust us from the land. We represent certain values that this land needs to be characterized by and that the world needs to be educated by. And therefore, it's important that we return to our homeland. And to return to our homeland, we have to triumph in the military battlefield. But this is a clear ideological battle between beasts, barbarians, who commit atrocities. I'll just mention one that came up recently, only because, to me, it was such a clear association. When the Pesukim warned us against sparing the Canaanim, and knowing that we would feel compassionate and merciful, the Torah says, these Canaanim are so horrible that they burn their babies to the Moloch. They throw their children into the fire. What could be more horrific than taking a defenseless baby and throwing him into a fire? Well, we're living in the days of Moloch. It's not a ritual for pagan worship, but it's still the cruelty and the putting it, again, I apologize if you haven't heard this and some news outlets are still suppressing this information, but I imagine most of you did hear and God forbid may even see the scenes that they took a baby, these barbarian subhuman animals, and they put the baby into an oven. Literally molech. When you reach that level of evil, as much as modern sensibilities want you to feel compassion and through education and enlightenment, well, according to Rav Kook, interestingly, in this letter he talks, that's the root of Christianity and the failure of Christianity, that hatred and evil could be eliminated without battling it, without confronting it, just by education and enlightenment and turning the other cheek. And ironically, all that hatred and all that all that enlightened view of solving hatred led, I, I guess the letter was written after World War One because there were references in the letter to the great explosion of violence. I, I guess it was written after World War One. Um, if, if I'm not mistaken, Tafresh Ayin, Pei Dalit 14, I guess when World War I was, was first erupting. And the irony is that Christianity itself, in its pursuit of eliminating hatred by pure mercy and compassion, perpetrated some of the greatest violence against humanity. So evil has to be identified, evil has to be mercilessly defeated, and that leads humanity in large to a better place and to utopia. And of course, it, these are very dangerous world, words, and throughout history, many or much blood has been shed because those people had been identified as the forces of darkness and the forces of evil. You have to be very careful before you use those terminologies because those terms can justify mass, mass bloodshed. But it's pretty clear that after the behavior of these pigs and subhuman animals, that we are looking, maybe for the first time, and maybe for the first time in 80 years, and you saw the same thing in Hitler, Yimach Shemo pure evil at Shiva Amim, at Amalek. And despite all the cultural dissonance between the modern world and war and bloodshed, these are the same Sadikim who is the Zik Nishmati, as Rav Kook said, whose internal passion and piety came to the fore in learning and Torah and Tehillim, but also came to the fore in battling, on behalf of humanity, pure evil in its unadulterated form. So these are just some thoughts of Rav Kook both in the Arot section called Milchama, I think it's the second section of Milchama, that in these great Tanakh figures who we think of as pious people, and then we meet them as warriors, their warrioring or being warriors and their battlefield activity was not any less pious because they were serving an ideological purpose. And in this letter to Professor Dr. Levine, in which Rav Cook stressed that <clears throat> When we meet the raw evil, either the complete breakdown of moral sensitivity that the Canaanim represented, or this hatred of the Jewish people, that Amalek and hating the Jewish people means they're going to block humanity from advancing, 
the moral and compassionate act is to defeat them to the ground, to the foundations.